Assalamu alaikum and welcome back to another Productive Nation podcast. We have for you today a very special guest, someone who doesn't really need an introduction. He is the founder and CEO of Productive Muslim. Assalamu alaikum, everybody. Assalamu alaikum, Abdi. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Jazakallah khair. It's awesome to have you on. Shall we start with brief introduction in case there's uh, someone who doesn't know you and who doesn't know you and who doesn't know Productive Muslim? Take us back in time and tell us the backstory of Productive Muslim. Sure. So, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah. Wassalatu wassalamu ala Rasulillah. Um, we started Productive Muslim as a blog about over 10 years ago. It was, I think, November 2007. Um, and at that time, I was um, obsessed with this idea of productivity. You know, how do you, how do you, how do you manage your time? How do you get things done? How do you achieve things? You know, reading all the productivity books that are out there, you know, GTD and David Allen and, you know, Stephen, Stephen Covey and all those guys. And I'm like, oh, there's ways to become more productive. But then I asked myself, well, you know, this stuff is really good. Let me just sort of want to share this with the kind of the Muslim world, the Muslim Ummah. And, and I remember one morning I woke up and these two words, productive Muslim, popped in my head. I'm like, mm. I wonder what that is. And I just logged in and, and I registered a domain name called productive.com. So initially the idea was just to, to share what I was learning with the world. And I wanted to kind of do it in the blog format. Two or three months later, I shut down the website. I said, this is a stupid idea. Who's going to watch or read this? Um, yeah. There's nothing that's valuable here to share. And then fast forward, I, was, I graduated from my master's degree, kind of bored. Um, a 10-year-old boy emails me and goes, hey, you know, where's your website? Are you going to use like reading your articles? I'm like, wow, I have a true fan. And um, at one point, I actually started realizing, let me, instead of me trying to share what I was learning about productivity, I said, being productive, you know, really being at your high potential, it's all about being the best version of yourself. And what is in our faith? What is in Islam? What is in the Quran? What is in the history, in the biography of Prophet ﷺ, in the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ that encourages us to be productive, to be the best version of ourselves? And that shift really helped me refocus productive Muslim from becoming more than just another productive blog to really becoming this platform where we're connecting spirituality and faith to personal professional development and helping people live the best version of themselves, spiritually, physically, socially. And um, so it started as a blog, it, it grew, people started to get very popular, starting workshops and coaching and training. And you know, four years ago, I made a decision to make this my full-time, I left my career in the banking industry and I was in Islamic bank for six years. And then decided to leave that and just really focus on this full time, you know, and dedicated my life to this. And I was honored to accept me and not just myself, the whole team that's behind mm -hmm. it. I'm just a figure face and figure value in the figure face of this, of the platform, but there's an incredible amount of teams, um, you know, both, you know, interns and employees and volunteers who are really the secret behind the growth and success of Barakamas and Alhamdulillah. MashaAllah. May Allah bless it. Yeah, I, mean. I personally came across your work while I was studying and the word you said, obsessed, I can, that resonates with me because I was so obsessed to get Baraka into my studies because I was under high pressure. I was doing my master's degree. I wanted to succeed. Family wanted me to succeed. So I came across this list or blog you had about 18 different Baraka sources. I remember that writing those 18 
uh, items on the wall of my room and checking them up, checking, using them as a checklist, like what I need I to, to do in order, order to get Baraka into my life. I found the thing, there was a marriage also on the list. It was somewhere at the bottom. <laughs> and back in the days, I was single, you know, studying, and I thought like, man, I need to, I need to get married. I need Baraka in my life, man. <laughs> Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, down the line, Allah blessed me with them wife and, and I can say it's all blessing. Alhamdulillah. And subhanallah, it's funny you mentioned that because it's funny, we started off, like I said, in this idea of connecting spirituality and, 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 and you know, productivity. And Barakah was, was the thing, right? Barakah was the, was the, you know, when you think about spirituality and achieving success and achieving more than what you expect, achieving more with less, right? That's Barakah. And now, 10 years down the road, when we did a, did a rebrand last year, if you notice, we moved from the kind of stickman figure to the Parkinson company. And we asked ourselves, what is it that we want to sort of promote in the, in the, in the we dedicate our life to? And we realized this idea of Baraka culture, right? Promoting Baraka culture. And we wrote an article, Baraka culture versus hustle culture. And this is now our new kind of frontier where we're really now doubling down on this idea of promoting Baraka to, you know, really, it's, it's not about us living in this bubble where, we think we're in control, but to realize that there's things in your control, but there are things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, there are things that are beyond your control that we need to tap into the source of barakah and ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala barakah, tawfiq, so that we can achieve success beyond our imagination and become that productive nation that we all aspire to, basically. Yeah. What do you mean by hustle culture and barakah culture? How do they differ? So hustle culture is funny, this word, you know, it's, it's something I kept on feeling, but I wasn't sure how to put a word for it. And I came across it by the, the co-founder of Reddit, actually. He was, you know, he was saying that this whole new age, if you look at the motivational speakers, self-help industry, the kind of the new uh, way of doing things, of uh, getting things done, it's all about this obsession of like hustle, 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 you got to hustle, you got to kill yourself. We live in a global competitive environment. If you're not hustling, that means you're not you're succeeding. And a lot of times if you look deeply into that, you'd realize that Actually, people are broken. Families are broken. People don't take care of their health, take care of their family, their mental health. And, you know, it's not a model success that unfortunately even, even Muslims have fallen for and realize, well, what's the alternative, right? It, it, what's the alternative? Because hustle culture sounds so like, you know, addictive and sounds so like, yeah, yeah, I've got to hustle. No excuse. I've got to you know, beat myself up. But then I'm like, well, hold it, wait a second. What's, what's the alternative? And is there a different model of success that we can promote that you can still be successful, but it's not as crazy. It's not the cost of your life and your akhirah, you know, Boston is Muslims. And I realized, well, the idea of Baraka culture comes in, which is, for example, we say hustle culture is very self-centered, egocentric, right? Me, myself, and now how can I be successful at the expense of everyone else? And how can I achieve success? Baraka culture is very God-conscious, very Allah-centric. It's about how can I please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Hustle culture is very... Um, for example, is very this one. This one. This is part of the one that people find controversial. Like, well, what do you mean by that? Is for example, it's very. It's all about output, right? How can how much output can I produce? How much output can I produce, right? How many essays can I write? How many how many books can I write? How many how much money I can make? How much is very very output driven? Versus hustle culture is about impact driven, purpose driven, right? It's about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepting what you're doing and, and having impact beyond yourself. You know, hustle culture is very worldly focused. But, you know, basically you want to, you know, you all see this, you know, this YouTube ad, some guy shows his mansion and his Ferrari and tells you about yeah. this, how his cool coaching and, you know, and marketing work and all that stuff. Right, yeah. very, very, you know, man, you know, worldly culture. And again, it's not about putting down the world, but saying, well, for what end? Baraka culture is very akhir-centric. So there's a lot of these, you know, we wrote, you know, 
lengthy article. I encourage your, your, your listeners to go check it out called Baraka Culture versus Hustle Culture. You have an infographic which you can download and stick, in, and stick on. And recently I was, we do a retreat once year in Indonesia. And one of the people attended, you know, she was like a top career person. She runs, you know, IT projects across globally. And she was saying, you know, I am so hustle culture. <laughs> She's like, yeah. I am so hustle culture. Yeah. Like she said, I wake up five o'clock in the morning to attend a, a conference call, but I wouldn't wake up five o'clock in the morning to pray Fajr, for example. Mm-hmm. And it was really kind of was very, she, you know, she was very emotional when she said that. And she said, I need to shift, you know, because this is, this is not right. I'm losing my soul, right? I'm losing myself along the way. So that's kind of a, a, a snapshot of that and, and something that I feel it's, it's, it's something we need to talk more of and, and discuss more. What's, what's the model of success we want to follow versus yeah. just blindly copying a model of success that we see today, which unfortunately, if you dig deeper, is not that successful, actually. Yeah, absolutely. I love that concept, Baraka culture. Looking back at 10 years of your productive Muslim journey, what is the most surprising experiences you had? I mean, I've been to 15 countries and traveled. And, and one of the things that I, when I do when I travel, I like to read, sort of listen in um, to the sort of the youth, the professional people who work in the workshops. And one thing that I'm noticing, and this is, I'm saying this is good news, good news to our Ummah, because sometimes we, we, unfortunately, we feel our Ummah is all messed up and, you know, everything with the bottom yeah. of, the, of the chain and everything's messed up. But I'm like, no, no, there's good news that there's a lot of young people who are just tired tired of being rock bottom and, and really want to, you know, rebuild themselves up. People are excited about, you know, building a better version of themselves. People are starting to realize that it's not about wasting time, about getting things done, about helping others, making impact, living a meaningful life. So there is a lot of, uh, and this is across the world, like from Nigeria to Indonesia, from Bosnia to Tanzania, you know, literally US to, you know, Switzerland, you'd be amazed how, you know, there's this, this common theme um, is, is there. And so I'm giving this glad tidings because I want, I want us to boost, I give ourselves hope that we yeah. shouldn't feel, especially in these times we feel like we are, you know, where the, you know, feel, feel down, feel, um, feel the Ummah is not at its best. You know, there's, there's, you know, looking at the next generation, I'm very hopeful. And I feel like there's, and this has surprised me in a way. And at the same time, it's something that gives me a lot of hope and that, that gives me fire to keep on doing what I'm doing and, and really promote these concepts because I want them to, you know, to not be attached to concepts which are misleading, but concepts that will actually help them in this life and the next shot hmm. Is that a lesson for us to always focus on the goodness? And as a, yeah, as there's say, still khair and ummah. There is still yeah. khair and ummah. I mean, I mean we, we, I mean, if you, check social media or news, you think, oh my goodness, Oma is, you know, gone, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. But there's so much khair, there's so much khair. I mean, honestly, I've, every time I travel and I meet people, different parts, so, I mean, I've been to places where you'd be like, subhanAllah, you don't even imagine. I get emails, people from Kazakhstan, people from Philippines, people from like random places in the world that, yeah. you know, saying, oh my goodness, like, you know, like, I know, I'm, I'm wake, I really want to wake up early Fajr, or you wanted to have better house routines, you know, and he's like, kind of like the people are actually conscious. The consciousness yeah. and awareness is there. So this is it's something that's really positive. I feel like we need to build on that and feel alhamdulillah, there, there is momentum and we are, it's only a matter of time before the yeah. Ummah comes back on its feet in Shatan. Inshallah. Next, I want to throw at you some common words that you come across in the self-help and personal development fields. Mm-hmm. And I would love to hear what's your take on them. How do you understand them? Sure. The first one, you're passionate about it. What is productivity? Productivity is the word. Yeah. So normally 
Code activity is defined as, I mean, this is the industry definition, right? It's output yeah. over input, how much output you produce over the input you have. But that's not the definition that I like. I find that that's too um, machine-like, a small machines or factories, not for human beings. The way mm. we define productivity or product Muslim is how much energy you have times how much focus you have times how much time you have towards living the best version of yourself across all your roles. Being a role as an abd of Allah, your role as your father, mother, you know, daughter, son, employee, CEO, neighbor, so on and so forth. So how do I manage my energy levels? Meaning if I'm tired, I don't care how much, what tools I use. I just cannot be productive. And if I have energy, let's say I'm bouncing off the wall. So I have super energy, but I'm distracted. I don't have focus. Then no matter how much energy I have, I will not have focus. And let's say I have energy and I have focus. So I'm just like, I've got the energy, I've got the focus, but I'm overwhelmed. I've got so much stuff in the time that I have. I cannot be productive. So energy, focus, and time. And, and the way we uh, teach productive Muslim, what we do what we do is every quarter, we do a six-week masterclass where we go through the, the Product Muslim book in detail and kind of go through these concepts. We talk about the energy level, not just, not just physical energy, not just sleep, nutrition, fitness, but things like spiritual energy, things like social energy. Those things matter and those things you can kind of harness. Things like spiritual focus, things like you know, social focus, focusing on others, focusing on Allah ta'ala, focusing on the akhirah, and focusing on death, where these things have impact on your productivity. And also time and how we, time is not about managing time. I think managing time is an oxymoron. You cannot manage time. Time keeps on moving. You cannot manage something, you can't stop, you can't pause, you can't rewind. But what you can do is manage yourself, manage your energy and focus within the time that you have. So this is a, um, the twist that we have when it comes to productivity and adding forth a spiritual and baraka element, which baraka is like the multiply effect, right? You might have limited energy, limited focus, limited time. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala out of his, out of his mercy and grace and, and, and his, his you know, rahmah that he just multiplies, right? You write one book, right? So you think Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, and then subhanahu it becomes just like, you know, it lives for like a thousand years, right? You, you look, like, look at the scholars of the past, Ibn Tayyib, mm-hmm. Taymiyyah, who wrote, or oh, Imam Nawi, who may have not lived very long, but the barakah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put in their work that they last till today and we're still benefiting from it today. That's, that's, where, that's productivity. That's when output is, you know, is exponential compared to the input that you put in basically. SubhanAllah. Next word is mindset. Okay, so mindset is, is also another word that where do we get the mindsets from, right? Everyone's looking for this new idea of you know, abundance mindset and grateful mindset. And I feel like mindset is something that we can actually find in our own faith. You know, Islam is... is the way I look at Islam sometimes is it's like an operating system, right? And, and especially the Quran, the Quran is like the, you know, the compass and the, the if you can think of the Sahaba, right? Think of the Sahaba, uh, the companions, Bakr, Sadiq, Umar, Khattab, all the Sahabas. Think of them before Islam and after Islam, right? What shifted? These were Bedouins who used to kill their own daughters, who used to commit sometimes crimes, who drink, used to so many stuff that you would like, oh my God, I can't believe it. But then Islam came and shifted this entire human being completely. Like it's like operating, it's like, you know, it's moving from Android to iOS, right? <laughs> or something like that, or, or back or iOS to Android. It's a completely different operating system with different yeah. applications, different way of living, different approach to life. So I feel Islam is, if you want to talk about mindset, let's, let's draw from our, for example, taqwa, right? Taqwa is a mindset, this idea of always being God conscious always being mindful of God in the small things, in the big things. That's a, that's a mindset and it's a, it's a way of approaching life that is different from someone who does not have taqwa. For example, the idea of tawakkul. Tawakkul is a mindset. 
how do you tie your camel and you know and trust Allah. This is a mindset, right? Which which is very entrepreneurial mindset as well, because you just you know jump in, do your thing, and see what happens. But you take your you tie a camel and and you trust Allah. That's a mindset shift as well. So we we need to look back in our own faith and really draw these mindsets, because sometimes we fall in the trap of trying to like, look right and left and finding you know some random guru from different you know traditions. Unfortunately, that there's no divine guidance to that and Allah has given us divine guidance we are the last divine guidance for mankind you know we need to own up and realize this huge wealth of of beautiful knowledge that we have and take mm. forward with it and move from it basically subhanallah i like that uh, instilling taqwa and tawakkul on the mindset because most of personal development or self-help books talk about this positivity having a growth mindset but like say for for example, you mentioned entrepreneurs. If you have tawakkul, if you tie your camel and you leave the rest to Allah, it means you put the effort and then you expect the best from Allah. Absolutely, absolutely. And and, and, it's, and it gives you that, you know, one thing I learned, I used to work in a corporate environment. So, you know, you get a regular paycheck, hundreds good pay and everything good benefits. And you, after a while, your tawakkul goes down because you're just relying on that paycheck to paycheck. And when I started running my own business and you really start realizing the power of dog call, you wake up one morning, you realize, I'm not sure I'm going to pay the bills this month. And then you just do your best. You work hard. And then also Allah sends, you know, the blessing that we don't expect. So it really is sometimes that's why I actually encourage also even our listeners to dabble into have some kind of a small business or entrepreneurial thing. There's, there's always butter in that as well. They have a bit of a trade, something that you can practice. You don't want to be too reliant, especially in today's volatile, uncertain ambiguous world where you could be flayed off in an instant without notice really make sure you have something for yourself some kind of you know side income side hustle which you just you know not hustle side baraka which you can use to help you um kind of kind of you know develop your quality to cold muscles instead yeah. of sort of just being so reliant on the corporate job and all that comes with it basically nothing is corporate jobs it's you know there is not for everybody but it's just matter it's a matter of being conscious that you not just be you don't be too dependent. And subhanAllah, sometimes we even if you notice people in the workplace, sometimes the office the reason why we have so many office politics is because we're so attached, right? We made we made our jobs, our subhanAllah, our gods even. So we'll do anything, okay. sometimes unethical, to keep our positions or jobs and play dirty games, unfortunately. So really it's, it's when you have something side, having having a life outside, when you have this tawakkul mindset, mindset, you won't fall for those, inshallah, those 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 behaviors which are which yeah. are detrimental for organizations as well. Next one is mindfulness. A couple of things here. And I think it's important that we need to first define what mindfulness is. Um, there's been many definitions, but the way I, I define mindfulness is just being being present. I like the word presence more than mindfulness. So being yeah. present. Um, and not being being present in the moment. And one thing that we notice in the life of Rasulullah is that he had this full presence. When mm-hmm. he was in his prayer, he was fully in his prayer. When he was with his wife, he was fully with his wife. When he was you know, with his community, community, he was full of his community. And he just being that presence, he was always there. I think that is something we need to adopt more of. Sometimes, fortunately, sometimes we're at work, we're thinking about home. We're at home, we're thinking about work. And we just not, we're not present. And one thing that presence does is you recognize that, you know, it, it's not, it's you, it, again, it's, it's actually the purest form of tawakkul because you're not, you're not, um, sometimes you put these plans, right? And I'm all about having plans and to-dos and that's part of being productive. But that one thing, a plan, this is, oh, this is your niya, this is your intention. But then what happens in the day, 
that's that's you got to be in the present. So don't get too stressed out. Don't get too overwhelmed yeah. and just think, oh my god, you know, I should have been there at six o'clock and I'm late. And no, just be present, right? As long as you're fulfilling your health and your hukuk, the rights people have on your hak of your lord, hak of your work, hak of your family, be present and be live that in a life of presence and not don't be distracted. Now, one thing I want to caution again, sometimes, and, and, and sometimes I hear this, hear this um, amongst Muslims, is that they equate um, latest buzzwords. Oh, yeah, med- salah is like meditation, mindfulness. I'm like, no, no, salah is worship, right? It's a, it's a worship. Yes, one of the side benefits of salah is you get more present, more mindfulness, more meditation, and you kind of get the meditative benefits. But let's not um, switch over. Let's not um, sort of, you know, sometimes we're trying to just, because we, we have this inferiority complex and go think, oh, there's a new buzzword, mindfulness. Okay, let me see how I can somehow add it to my Islam somehow. And just we kind of sugarcoat our Islam. With yeah. people. No, we should be the one exporting concepts versus just trying to sugarcoat ourselves and trying to make us, you know, trying to you know, fit in with whatever's out there. No, there's, there's a lot of value, powerful messages we have as, as in our own deen that we need mm. to be proud of and, and to develop. Like Salah is a powerful, powerful ritual, it's worship which has one of the side benefits is mindfulness and presence and meditation and other things. But that's not the purpose of Salah. Salah's purpose is worship, basically. Thank you for clarifying that, mashallah. Uh, the final one, there's actually two words. So I'm going to throw both of, both of them at you. And they are failure and success. Sure. So we need to think about failure and success in two perspectives. Number one, a lot of times we are actually, you know, if you want to do coaching and talk to people about failure and success, people are more afraid of success than they are afraid of failure. And, and this might sound counterintuitive, but if, when someone's, when someone's at a goal, when someone's trying to achieve something, sometimes what, what happens is that they actually end up sabotaging themselves or trying to kind of do, you know, kind of stop themselves from doing it because they realize if I actually achieve this, then what is the implications on my life, my family, my kids, and all that around me. So, so sometimes we need to be conscious of not, uh, you know, not sabotaging ourselves because we are fearing success. But they, that this idea of fear, because first of all, to recognize success, you know, comes from Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. And this is in Islam, the idea of tawfiq, right? Tawfiq, what is tawfiq? Tawfiq is you actually aligning your will with Allah's will, right? So when you align what you, your intentions and your will and in, in your life. To what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants, that is called tawfiq. Now, mm. it's, it's, it's actually here, it's, it's success here is about the intention, not even the outcome, because the outcome is up to you. And this is why sometimes if you look at the prophets of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, think about Prophet Nuh alayhi salam, right? Alayhi called this people for 950 years, and then pretty much only a household believe in him. Now, by hustle culture standards, he was considered a failure, right? Oh my goodness, you had a message, you had a mission, you did not achieve your mission, you are considered a failure. But of course, this is the prophets, the prophets of Allah, and they're considered the models of success. Why? Because they did their part. They fulfilled their mission. They fulfilled their intention. They fulfilled their purpose. So success and failure is not about the outcome. It's not about the results. Success and failure is about your intention mm-hmm. and what action you take. Now, if you yourself had bad intentions, no matter how amazing the results come out, in the end, it might be failure because you do not, Allah does not accept that from you. And we hear stories of someone might die as a martyr but not end up in the hellfire because of the intention. He wanted to show off. Someone wanted to yeah. memorize Quran and become a memorizer of Quran. Allah enters the hellfire because they were this duty for showing off. So success and failure is not about the results because our outcome, that's not up to you. 
success and failure is depending on your intentions and your actions and asking all that for those people to make it happen. So just keep that in mind again as a different way of thinking from like hustle culture versus baraka culture as well. Absolutely. You mentioned your book, The Productive Muslim, where faith means productivity. I read it and alhamdulillah, it was one of the best read I have come across in the field of personal development. And it's a book that I have recommended to my old friends and families. And because you mentioned it, can you tell us a bit more about it? Like what inspired you to write that book? So I think after seven years of um, doing the blog, I realized I was you know, kind of repeating myself, right? I thought, well, I need to kind of capture this into a body of knowledge. And it was the first attempt. And I, I, there's a lot of mistakes <laughs> that I've learned since then. And it definitely is a revised edition, inshallah. But it's more like I wanted to capture a body of knowledge of you know, how to, how to you know, live the best for yourself. How to, what does, what, when you look at spirituality and productivity, what does it, what does it come out for? Or how does it, what does it look like? And it was a time, alhamdulillah, Allah has been generous and kind and merciful that well, there's been a lot of acceptance for uh, globally. And it's available on Kindle, iBook, we did an audiobook version, one of the few audiobooks, um, Islamic audiobooks on this, in, this, in this area. What we, what we do now, we run these six-week masterclasses where the next one starts in July, where we basically walk people through the book. So we kind of like give you the experiments and kind of help, kind of work, it's almost like group coaching setting. People from around the world join in and we just train them on, on this approach. Um, and this, that has two benefits. Number one, it keeps reminding me of these concepts and kind of, kind of tweak it. And also to see, you know, impact. One of the, one of the things that it's hard about this work is, is you want to measure results. Like, you know, how much, how much do I know? And how did I get a lot of emails? MashaAllah, Zakallah Khair, your book really helped me. Or, but then how do I know your life actually did change? Right? That's, that's, mm-hmm. the, that's the impact, right? But culture, impact, purpose versus just, you know, getting like, you know, praises. It's like, well, what's the real impact? Alhamdulillah, doing these kind of six-week programs or doing our retreat or doing coaching is one way for us to see real impact in our eyes versus it just being this one-off, um, basically, experience, basically, for people. MashaAllah. The one thing that I love about the book is it's so relevant, you know, as a Muslim when you're reading. For example, when I read other books who are non-Muslim authors, there's some part of the book you just tune out because they might bring up examples from the Bible and they might say something about Isa alayhi salam, you don't know is it correct or not. But reading Productive Muslim, was, I was totally engaged and tuned in and all the parts where you quoted Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, you feel more engaged and it makes really the deen more relevant. No, that's this word you said, the more relevant. Um, that has been, again, a common theme when traveling around the world. People are saying that we need to make Islam more relevant. People are, you know, some people, unfortunately, are losing faith because they're not seeing the relevance of Islam in their daily lives. And this is, again, I, it's funny, I did not intend, when I did Product Muslim, I didn't intend to make Islam relevant. That was not my mission. I was focusing on productivity in Islam, and I was kind of in this little bubble that I have. But yeah. I'm getting feedback like this, saying, you know, you made Islam relevant again. I'm like, oh, really? Like, okay, alhamdulillah, I didn't know this. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala kind of accept doing things without, you know, without yeah. thinking about it. Yeah, mashallah, the biggest epiphany I had during our conversation is like, oh, I'm actually trying to live Baraka culture or I, am, I have a Baraka mindset now like, because, because I, I rely on Allah. I do my best in my, what I do. I try to do my best, but I have this like list of like, I need to get Baraka into my life because I know the result is not dependent on me. You know what I mean? 
I'm, absolutely, absolutely. And, and this maybe as a gift for your audience, I will um, share with you a link which they can download now. We've upgraded 21 source of Baraka, not just uh, wow. Wow. <laughs> just 18. I, I feel cheated now. <laughs> yes, <thank you. laughs> Mashallah. I could be a billionaire by now if I had that. <laughs> so, so inshallah, I'll send you the link and you can, um, you can download free uh, 21 source of Baraka. Also the research. So what we did this year, well, this is last year. We kind of, for every source of barakah, we gave you the exact verse of the Quran, the hadith, and practical Mashallah. tips to implement in inshallah ta'ala. Um, so this is, and inshallah, we're going to come up with um, something called barakah values card. We're going to talk about barakah academy. Uh, we, we're just doubling down on barakah. We're like, you know what? This is, this is what we should, this is what we should dedicate our life to inshallah ta'ala and hopefully make it the impact inshallah ta'ala. Inshallah. To finish off, I have three personal questions for you. Mm-hmm. Now, based on your experience, if you just tra- travel back in time and meet your younger self and you see him sitting on the be- bench on the park and wondering what I will do with my life and you ask permission to sit next to him and you end up uh, having a conversation, you find out that you, re- you really like this guy, obviously because it's you, and you, before you leave, you leave him with the life advice. What advice you will give to your younger self? Um, it's fine. It's, it's two advices. The first advice is the one that was given by Shabdul bin Bayya, um, which I keep repeating everywhere I go. And that is have, have sincere intentions and work hard. Have good intentions, work hard. You know, you know have the good intentions. Um, no one that I know of that has had good intentions and worked hard, that they have failed in life. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those rules of life Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will always bless you. You have the good intentions and you work hard, you know, you will get success. The mm-hmm. second piece of advice um, is have more trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So many times looking back, there were moments in my life when I did not have trust, when I was, was unsure, when I was uncertain, when I was indecisive, uh, when I was panicking, when I was worried, anxious. And then a few months later, whatever I was worried, anxious, nervous about, just got resolved <laughs> by Allah's permission. And, you know, much better than in the ways I didn't expect. So have more tawakkul, have more trust. These two pieces of advice I'll definitely give to my younger self and all my younger brothers. Until today, I still need their advice till today. It's not, it's not that I've completely mastered this too. I still need them yeah. for as moving forward in life, inshallah. Yeah, beautiful advice. Abdullah bin Bayya, it's so crazy that he actually came down to Finland. I had an opportunity to meet him two years or three years ago. And it's crazy because, you know, Finland, we are here up north. We don't have like uh, international speakers coming. But uh, Sheikh Abdullah bin Bayya came down and absolutely pleasure to meet him. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. And final final question is this, uh, what is the legacy that you want to leave behind? Um, so I, I actually don't like the word legacy. I find yeah. it uh, it's too self-centered. It's all about oh, what legacy will I be behind? I feel like that's too self-centered, and it's not. Mm-hmm. We are we are Abd of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. We are his slaves, and a slave, you know, belongs to the master. Yeah. All I ask is Allah accepts whatever we do, whatever small we do, and we don't know what acceptance. Maybe none of this work get accepted. Maybe something small gets accepted. Mm. All we know, ask Allah for the acceptance and that this becomes sadaqah jariah for us for the next, for as long as we can, so that we can get some reward while in our graves. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's how I would say it. it's, a, it's more about, you know, inshallah, having good intent, working hard and just ask Allah for acceptance. Now, what comes out of it, Allah, you know, 
what books, articles, you know, you know, resources comes out of this. This is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we ask Allah to accept this. May Allah accept it from, from us. And Ameen. Ameen. Jazakallah khair. It was great pleasure talking to you. Thank you for sharing your stories and also educating about us the topic that you are so passionate about. I really enjoyed listening and learning from you. Thank you so much and, and I wish you all to and looking forward to seeing more productive nations inshallah.